What are the latest cyber challenges involving medical devices? I'm Marianne Kolbesuk McGee, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with Anora Fernando, Chief Innovation Architect of Medical Systems Interoperability and Security at UL and a member of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services Healthcare Industry Cybersecurity Task Force. So, Anora, based on the work you've done with the HHS Cybersecurity Task Force, as well as your dealings with device makers and healthcare provider organizations, what's topping the list of cyber challenges that gives you the most concern? Some of the most challenging issues that are facing the healthcare industry were assembled in a report from the task force that came out early last year. Among those recommendations was, was one that, that's very, very fundamental and, and probably one of the most serious challenges that all critical infrastructure sector industries face, and that is the shortage of competent workforce to be able to support the needs of both users of network-connectable devices as well as developers of network-connected devices to properly understand and, and implement security controls to prevent malicious users from gaining access. So this issue of, of workforce development has really become one of the early priorities of the Healthcare Sector Coordinating Council as well, and that's a group that sort of took follow-up to a lot of the HHS Healthcare Industry Cybersecurity Task Force recommendations to turn those into actual tactical implementations in the marketplace. In addition to this, we also saw some other key issues, which were that on both the, the vendor side, looking at medical device manufacturers, as well as the user side, looking at healthcare delivery organizations, there is this very broad spectrum of understanding. You know, there are some devices, device manufacturers that, as we know, are very well aware of cybersecurity issues, how to design products to be uh, very robust and resilient from a security point of view. And then there are those who are very new to those issues and, and really are just beginning the journey of, of understanding what, what cybersecurity is all about. Similarly, on the healthcare uh, delivery organization side, we see that same kind of spectrum. We, we see some healthcare providers that, that are very well positioned to deal with cybersecurity threats and you know, be able to respond and recover from them and so forth. But there are others that are, are still very, very new to this space and don't have the resources and the infrastructure to protect themselves adequately. And so dealing with this really broad spectrum on both ends of the value chain is a big, big issue that's still very much a challenge logistically, economically, and, and from a variety of different perspectives, including technically too. When we also think about you know, what are some of the, the most significant challenges, we're seeing that the supply chain itself is becoming a major area of vulnerability. You know, we, we tend to think of the product that's actually connected to the, the internet, either through, you know, Wi-Fi or hardwire connected to a network as being the thing that's susceptible. But what we found is that it's actually the components uh, often that make up that product that are the, the source of these vulnerabilities. And often if the integrators or the device manufacturers don't scrutinize these components carefully enough, 
then vulnerabilities get into the product. They may even make it into the market. And, and by the time people realize that those vulnerabilities are there, it's too late. And the, the designers and developers themselves may not have been aware at all because they trusted uh, an off-the-shelf or third-party component. So, Nora, when it comes to the evolving cyber threats that we see facing medical devices, what are you most worried about? We hear a lot about ransomware hitting organizations. Is it a matter of time before medical devices are impacted by ransomware or some of the other threats that we're seeing? Absolutely. You know, we see, again, a broad spectrum of, of threat actors. Some you have to, to worry about more than others, and some scenarios you have to worry about more than others, probably. When we think about who's going to be going after a medical device, it's important to think about the motivations. Often, financial aspects are, are the number one motivation, and, and those can come from areas like organized crime, where crime syndicates you know, have teams of hackers that are trying to get at patient-identifiable information, insurance information for insurance fraud, social security numbers, things like that. And so we've seen that health data is worth significantly more than things like credit card numbers and, and those kinds of things that people, hackers, used to go after uh, in the recent past. And so those kinds of financial motivations often come with a significant organization behind them that has money to invest in sophisticated tools and hacking techniques and so forth. And the same kind of financial motivation also can apply to nation states as well. And so when we think about nation states, it's not only going after things like data that can be used for insurance fraud, there can also be another facet to this where there are economies around the world that, that sometimes operate on making knockoff products, as we say, uh, being able to, to easily replicate and, and cheaply manufacture and then flood the market with products and achieve fairly short-term financial gains. In the case of medical devices, this could be after years and years of research that a medical device manufacturer has spent to create algorithms that provide the, the necessary therapy to patients in exactly the right way and, and those types of things. And if that data is exposed on a network and exfiltrated by a bad actor, then it becomes a much easier process to copy or replicate the hardware, install that software, and then potentially sell these knockoff products. And so financial motivation comes in, in many different flavors. Yet another flavor of financial motivation that, uh, that is of significant concern is for nation states and, and activist groups and terrorist groups even that are, are looking to make financial gains to fund their activities. And this starts to take us into an area that, that then becomes even more concerning is the notion of coordinated terrorist attacks where for example, something like a terrorist activity like a car bomb detonation is coupled with an act to debilitate the healthcare delivery capability in, in that locale. That could seriously result in additional injuries, additional deaths than might otherwise be achieved through, through that same exact activity had the healthcare facilities been, been fully operational and intact. And so those are some of the kinds of things that really concern me more than the scenarios that you sometimes hear where a patient might be said to be targeted for 
you know, having their pacemaker hacked and um, bad actor trying to cause harm directly to a particular individual in that way. We have thus far, to, to my knowledge, not seen specific instances of you know, a particular individual being targeted through their medical device. There are a lot of other ways to, to go about doing that. It's these more insidious and indirect types of attacks like we just talked about that tend to be of greatest concern. But still, that's not the only thing. There, there is an issue with the medical device capability to cause harm that is also of concern. Now, if you think about medical devices in, in the realm of, of connected technologies, when you think about smart TVs and cell phones and things like that, those types of devices don't really have as much capability to do harm to those around them or to, to the users of, of those products and so forth as, as some kinds of medical devices do. You know, if you think about something like a therapeutic linear accelerator, for example, that's a device that's actually intended to cause harm. And in this case, that harm is to destroy a tumor to hopefully save the patient's life at the end. But the purpose of the device is to do a specific kind of tissue damage. And so if you leave that type of, of piece of equipment unfettered and connected to a network where anybody can access it, it's comparable to leaving you know, a loaded gun out on a picnic table in a park. And so practicing basic cybersecurity hygiene is extremely important when you think about the nature of certain types of medical devices and how they can potentially cause significant harm from a personal injury point of view if their network connections aren't properly managed and, and monitored and uh, everything else that, that's needed to practice good cybersecurity hygiene around these devices, much like you know, keeping a weapon in a safe and with a safety on and, and you know, properly controlled. So, Nora, when it comes to some of these emerging threats, researchers recently demonstrated how malware can be used to manipulate CT scan images so that fake cancerous nodes appear or that real cancerous nodes are deleted. How real are those sorts of cyber threats? And potentially, what is the impact in terms of integrity of the medical device data? Those types of threats are very real in the sense that they are known to be problems that, that can occur. The likelihood of their occurrence you know, is relative to the motivation. You know, why would somebody do that? Um, what benefits can they get from, from doing that kind of thing and so forth? So in the, in the scheme of, of all the types of attacks that, that could occur, and maybe they're not necessarily in the highest level of likelihood, but that's not really something we should necessarily use to gauge how we deal with them because even when we're doing product testing, you know, at UL, for instance, we will see that the traffic associated with certain types of device-to-device -device interactions in a hospital is often not encrypted, and so it becomes very easy then to get into that, that data packet, manipulate the data packet, cause artifacts in the final image and um, you know, alter potentially safety-related data for that patient and, and do a lot of different things like that. And the reason that we test for, for issues like that is that 
they're really not that difficult to protect against, especially if you use a defense in depth strategy. So if you couple network hardening strategies with product hardening strategies and, and you look at all of the possible layers of protection that you can implement from somebody in an, ex an externally connected network to the device itself and to the data packet itself that's moving maybe from the device to an image archival system. There are many, many kinds of security controls that could be implemented. The real issue now is getting people to understand that, that yes, those kinds of data can be manipulated and there are existing ways to protect from that happening and ensuring that device manufacturers and, and hospitals, for example, work together to make sure that when the device manufacturer sees that the hospital is serious about encrypting their data, they'll provide encryption tools so that the hospital can then get encrypted data from that device. What's been a challenge up till recently is that in many cases, there are hospitals that aren't able to then consume that data, and so manufacturers will sometimes disable the encryption capabilities on the devices and so forth to make them more usable for their hospital customers. If everybody in the value chain starts to appreciate the fact that these kinds of, of attacks are in fact possible and are relatively easy to mitigate, then it just becomes a matter of aligning interest and the hospital saying, yes, we're going to make sure that our image archival systems use the same type of encryption as our image acquisition devices and the data that's moving between them should be encrypted and they should, it should be able to tra be transmitted that way and it should be able to be consumed that way. And, and once that kind of alignment happens, then we'll be a significant step further from where we are and being able to mitigate those kinds of problems. And so finally, Nora, if there was one bit of advice that you would like to see healthcare entities take in terms of them bolstering the cybersecurity of the medical devices in their organizations, and then another piece of advice for the manufacturers of these products based on what you see in terms of medical device makers perhaps skimping on security, what would those pieces of advice be? I think the first would be to not be afraid to, to start taking steps in the direction of, of dealing with cybersecurity. Often companies, whether they're hospitals or device manufacturers, sort of get paralyzed because of the enormity of, of the challenge. And so what we've been trying to do through the cybersecurity task force that I've been involved in and the healthcare sector coordinating council and a variety of other channels like that is to show that there are scalable approaches that can work effectively for the new entrant into the marketplace that's just trying to figure out and, and learn how to deal with cybersecurity, as well as to the mature participant that's been engaged with bringing secure products to the market for a long, long time. And these are things like the, the joint security plan that's been put out by the Healthcare Sector Coordinating Council just a few months ago, as well as HICCUP uh, HICP, which is a document with more of the healthcare provider-centric uh, recommendations and things that need to be dealt with 
from a security point of view, like email phishing attacks and those kinds of things that are slightly different in nature than you see needing to be dealt with from a medical device or embedded systems point of view. Thanks, Anora. I've been speaking to Anora Fernando. I'm Marianne Kobasak-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.